0: Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode
1: 371 on Tuesday the 8th of
0: December 2020. Hello,
1: I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week we'll be talking about one company who is rowing back so fast it appears to have strapped an outboard motor to it. We also note that you can't believe everything you read on the internet. And we find out how Lamborghini has stopped the aging process. But first, we're going to go for a smidgen of follow-up. And just to more really bring this to your attention, but the Aston Martin connection with the... the I wanted to say alleged report. It was that poor. It's
0: not alleged. <laughs> it was actually a report. Yes. Okay.
1: The report that has been comfortably picked apart by people who know things and the connections with Aston Martin and personnel either within the company or very close to the company, uh, has caused for Tobias Moores to be questioned by journalists. And he does not really know anything about this. And he is deeply concerned, is a quote, and will be conducting a review of the circumstances surrounding the commissioning and publication of the report. Just to note, though, Bosch, who are one of the other named companies, has doubled down and said, no. Nope. Figures are perfectly fine. Nothing wrong there. Everything's hunky-dory. Considering how much Bosch were connected with Dieselgate, you think they would wish to be incredibly squeaky clean with all things about emissions and how to say the right things, wouldn't you? You would do. You would. Yeah, it's such a horrible story. Yep. So click on the link in the show note and have a look at the Guardian article. Will we ever find out what happens after this, or what comes of this internal investigation? Yeah.
0: Who knows? Quite exactly. It's an internal investigation, so it can be forgotten about quite nicely if it needs to be forgotten about. They've said
1: they're going to do an investigation, which was the important thing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sorry, I just went, oh, yes, Minister, for a minute there and just... Quite. Right, take us to new news and the figures of doom. (laughs) Except for one bit, except for one bit. They're not really
0: totally do me considering. So November new car registrations in the UK were down 27.4% compared to November last year. Which, given that November last year, we were all allowed to go wherever we wanted with whoever we pleased, is not really a huge surprise. That said, there was a certain amount of offset, click and collect capabilities, and deliveries helped offset the fact that people weren't allowed into showrooms. And that was the the major part of that. Don't forget, people could still order cars. Mm -hmm. They just couldn't necessarily go and fetch them.
1: Well, it seems that the retail sector, the car retail sector, seems to have got... It's act properly together as far as online sales and ordering. Mm. I mean, it's not perfect or anything, but they have a par they they appear to have moved quite quickly because you know ten months is quite a quick rollout of this, really. Yes, uh, for those who weren't doing it at all.
0: Yeah, a friend of mine got hired as the online sales something or other for a pair of dealerships. And basically his first day was like two days before the last lockdown. So it was a little bit of a baptism of fire, but he's been nice and busy anyway. Good. I mean, just about everything seems down, but year on year, petrol-powered vehicles are down 40 there's no point in reading those numbers out the, well no 41.9 percent and taking up 49.1 percent of the market a diesel down 56 percent taking 14 percent of the market share mm. your bevs fevs hevs, and mehevs are up 74.1 percent taking 36 percent of the of the market share just that battery electric vehicles taking an even larger Chunk than previously as well. Mm-hmm. Within that, did you run through the top ten bestsellers. I think so. Yeah, it's, I did. I did give the number, wasn't it? It was one hundred and eleven thousand seven hundred and eighty-one vehicles were registered. By the way,
1: yeah, the lowest. Which still seems like quite the a lowest lot. figure since two thousand and eight. When oh, I don't know, did something happen that year? <laughs>
0: yeah uh yeah exactly yes not a surprise really so top 10 it's not much between the top 10 this week so beginning at number 10 is the Audi A3 with 2,493 registrations, tying for eighth place, if you can believe that, the Volvo XC40 and the Ford Fiesta. Dun,
1: dun, dun. That's that's surely one of the signs of the impending apocalypse, isn't it? The Ford Fiesta, not even in the top five.
0: It must be, with 2,526. The Puma is uh, in at seven, with 2,552. Uh, Six is Mini, fifth is the Focus, fourth is the Cash Guy, third is the Mercedes A-Class with three thousand two hundred and forty-three, second is the Volkswagen Golf, and first is the Vauxhall Corsa. One thing I will point out about almost all those vehicles is that they are very much fleet vehicles. Mm. As far as I am concerned, with the exceptions really of the the Fiesta. Uh, and the course of where many, many of those go to go to private buyers, uh, which probably explains why the Fiestas so much further down. Mm, but
1: I would suggest as the Puma come and stolen Fiesta sales.
0: I imagine they are a similar stolen size, stolen aren't they? Sales. I would imagine there is a bit of bit of both going on there. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: But I I think that the fact that it's some of those are the kind of cars which will be leased and delivered as part of fleets mm. so people will have, have sort of be part of orders that are, that are going out i mean none of them are am i going to get in trouble for this none of them are interesting cars so there's a difference between the kind of people who would want to go out and actually get a car from a dealership compared to people who don't don't necessarily need to see the cars before they get them if you know what i mean
1: yep okay Uh, Spreadsheet of doom.
0: It is so doomy, we're barely going to bother.
1: Yes. What we're going to do is we're going to say, well done to Porsche, up 16.69%. Well done to Smart, up 141.46%. And also a small golf clap to Nissan and Volvo for being under 5% down. (laughs) Everyone else, ouch. Yeah.
0: I was going to say not even MG, even MG were down 27%.
1: Yes, Uh, but we can also congratulate Polestar and Cupra, who are brand new this month, Um, so therefore they don't show any change, but Polestar registered 149 vehicles and Cupra registered 55.
0: Particularly well done for Polestar, I think 149 is a pretty good number given the price market positioning and all that kind of stuff. Yep.
1: Uh, In the show notes will also be a link to Tristan Young's quick little run-through of the figures as well, which we like to include because he he adds a level of insight to them. Mm -hmm. He does.
0: Andrew, tell us about UK
1: Charging Networks. Yeah, the Competition and Markets Authority has announced that it's launching a new study to check that what is happening is going to be fair now and for the future for those who want to use the public electric vehicle charging networks. This all ties in with the whole 2030 a deadline for ICE-only vehicles. Mm-hmm. And this is because one of the things that is pretty much always said by people who are not quite in the know is, there's not enough charging points and I've got range anxiety. Yes, They're hoping to be able to show that things are moving and will be fine. This one line that did make me raise an eyebrow, I do have to say, that that it is essential that drivers can access a charge point when they need one, just like we can with petrol stations.
0: Right. Can we? No,
1: we can't with petrol stations. That annoys me a little bit when, when, when there's always this comparison with petrol stations and people sort of forget pumps run out. There's not as many petrol stations as there used to be, et cetera, et cetera. We've just adapted to take advantage of the petrol stations. Which is what yeah. we'll do with the electric chargers.
0: I noticed that this came out this week, uh, which is when GridServe opened their first charging hub with integrated supermarket and coffee shop. Yes. In Essex. I can't remember the name of the place now. And also, I noticed uh, at the same time as the announcement of this, that Ecotricity, who are a number one (laughs) primary cause of rings anxiety in me, have also been showing off that they've got, look, here's a concept new EV charger that we're going to start rolling out. Which should be more reliable, they said. But then, a, quite frankly, a cabbage is more reliable at charging your EV than a, than an electricity charger. Well, I,
1: I would hope that the competition uh, and markets authority will make suggestions. No one charging company can monopolise a key a key moving area of the country like the motorways and key, then key, not key provide infrastructure. Then not provide suitable equipment that. I don't know, works at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that has been one of the hardest hurdles to get over is because you can't argue with people who go, but I th- I went to the motorway and now I have to come well yeah. off the motorway unless I'm in a Tesla to get this thing to work.
0: Yeah, that one there is one that... That argument and that kind of comment is one which always has me with my head in my hand because I can't really refute it because yeah. it it was a, it's true.
1: It's a definite shooting in the foot moment, that.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. It's just what happens when early infrastructure goes out and then doesn't receive investment. Yeah.
1: But just to note that the CMA is seeking views on the issues raised and it has an invitation to comment, which can be submitted via its website by the 5th of January. So if you've got comments, do make them, otherwise nothing will change.
0: <laughs> Pro and and con as mm. well, particularly if you've, you've tried EVs and that kind of stuff and have been put off in the past or found it difficult. So maybe you owned an EV two, three years ago, found it difficult and went away from EVs. You're the, exactly the kind of person who should be commenting in this. Yes, absolutely. I've spotted a few of them lately. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right, take us to Volkswagen.
0: Okay, very quick uh, visit to Volkswagen to mention that the boss of Volkswagen are... Err is departing from the brand for the second time in five years so just capito was formerly in charge of volkswagen's r section uh he left to go work for mclaren uh came back again but now with the closure of volkswagen's racing division doesn't really understand uh, at the closure of volkswagen's racing division there seem to be differences of opinion between him and some other members of the volkswagen board yes but given there's no official motorsport engagement so actually what is where is the inspiration for the r badged vehicles going to come from uh, especially as the new electric ones are going to be badged as GTX.
1: Yeah, I th- I think slapping an R badge on a Tuareg, where they didn't make any changes to suspension and geometry and stuff like that, was not viewed positively by Mister Capito as one of the things. No, I can imagine so, that. Yeah, if you shut your motorsport thing, then what's he what's he there for?
0: Yeah, I'm sure I can find other places to work. Yeah. Well, speaking of taking Volkswagen Group cars, long distances far quicker than expected.
1: Or did they? Do you want
0: to tell us about the lawyer of the week?
1: Yes. (laughs) Thomas Davis made the claim that he drove from John O'Groats to Land's End, that's 841 miles if you do it properly, in September 2017 in 9 hours and 36 minutes, which would have meant with a stop for petrol, an average speed of 89 miles an hour. He was taken to court in Truro Crown Court because he was charged with dangerous driving and two counts of perverting the course of justice because he waited six months before he announced it. Mm -hmm. That was a loophole in the law that meant they couldn't charge him back. And he was supposed to have changed license plates and all sorts of stuff to make sure that his car wasn't he didn't get tickets and wasn't it wasn't the same car that got spotted yeah, i believe he fitted a, a irish number plates right uh,
0: as well as a somewhat dubious extra fuel tank in the boot
1: he <laughs> he made the claims in piston heads he was on the jeremy vine radio 2 show appeared on youtube was in national newspapers and it turns out that his lawyer said well Now, he said he did all that, but as there isn't actually any evidence of pictures and speed cameras and stuff like that, they're only going, the prosecution is only going on his word. And what he's done is he's just told a bit of a porky and made up that he did it so fast. That was the defence. And they found him not guilty on that case.
0: It probably shouldn't have got to court if that was the case. If they tried to take him to court with no proper evidence, then...
1: It was it was allegedly just circumstantial evidence.
0: Mm-hmm. So someone's made a bit of a boo boo there. Yes, big time. And uh, and not just and uh, not not just by trying to be a sort of cut price Alex. Yes, or.
1: and Thomas Davis has been incredibly silly and I hope he has learned his lesson.
0: It's okay because he said in court he wasn't the man he was three years ago.
1: No, nor was I. I'm more broken
0: <laughs> I, have to, I, have, I have to remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. That would that's just 3 weeks ago mate. Yes, yeah. that's true. <laughs> right, uh,
1: take us to Uber.
0: Oh, Uber. Mm. Uber, Uber, Uber. We've been accused we've been accused of um, of being particularly harsh and, and unfair to Uber in the past. And the the challenge with that, yeah, we have actually. And the thing that amazes me with the uh, oh, I've held is, back. Is, is it's <laughs> it's not us. It's when they do such incredibly stupid things, it's very hard not to. But this is – well, this is a slightly different story. So Uber Uber Technologies Incorporated is selling its autonomous driving research yes. unit. I almost said ARM, and it always sounds weird when you say that, which is called Uber Advanced Technologies Group to another self-driving car startup called Aurora. In a move which, according to this Reuters article, would accelerate the ride-sharing company's goal to achieve profitability. Now, that's curious because one of the key ways that they said when they floated on the stock exchange was one of their key ways to achieve profitability was through getting rid of those pesky human drivers. Yes.
1: Turns out.
0: (laughs) If you want more on that, by the way, there'll be a link in the show notes to a thread by Technology, uh, journalist cory Doctorow, yes. where he really goes into it uh, so we don't have to repeat it but he explains just why that's a little bit fishy however
1: you are very diplomatic
0: <laughs> autonomous technologies group th- this it's one of these weird ones where stuff's being sold but no money is actually changing hands no, the
1: money that's changing hands is Uber is going the opposite direction? Giving them money to take it off their hands is what's happening. It essentially comes that way. Yes, <laughs> that's uh, how essentially... bad it is for Uber that they are giving someone four hundred million dollars and saying, "Please take this away from I was us." Being,
0: I was trying to be so good here. Yes, it's
1: just r- ridiculous.
0: <laughs> so, um, ah, so Aurora is getting four billion worth, four billion dollars worth of equity <laughs> in Uber. <laughs> okay so that could go down as well yes. as up do, so do that's pure your terms equity with no money however as well as that and then uber is giving them 400 million dollars yes. too so it's all a bit weird the thing is that the atg last year was valued at 7.25 billion dollars so if you think four billion is lots it's only just over half what it was valued at last year when a Toyota and SoftBank and some others invested a billion in it. I mean, it's all just silly, silly numbers. It's like the the Tesla thing, raising 5 billion based on selling shares, based on hype and stuff, which I went nuts on about on Twitter earlier on. And people seem to split into either the, you're being a bit silly about this or, do yeah. But yes, it's all very strange. It is very, very strange. You need
1: to read the the, the Twitter thread to get a, a full breakdown, because the way this has been reported in the majority is that Uber's done a great deal, and doesn't really look that way.
0: <laughs> They've done a Donald t- Trump great deal, or yes. A- or a or or a Boris or a Boris Johnson oven ready deal. Yeah. I think. It doesn't mean that Uber won't still be using the technology or fitting the technology to other vehicles uh, and continuing some research. It just won't be sort of doing the development itself.
1: Yes. The, the,
0: because obviously that's technology.
1: A, that, <laughs> that bucket
0: <laughs> 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 because they managed to chuck that bucket of poo out the door. But that yeah, really really weird um do read the curry doctor of thread even reading between the skepticism in the reuters article is is quite quite special yes <laughs> i'm sorry but they keep on doing these things so we, we awful, can't not dumb. do it <laughs> god
1: i'm have so many complaints oh, fine send them to me no problem i'll field them all <sighs> on twitter not an issue the way he's feeling at the minute i really wouldn't bother <laughs> Anyway, tell us about another source of frustration. Right, there is in fact a bit of a bit of sad news, sort of an end of an era. Since 1966 Haynes have been publishing workshop manuals for vehicles for to help us at home keep our cars going or look at it and go, actually that's way too complicated, I do need to take this to the garage. Uh, <laughs> if you're me. <laughs> But they've announced that they will be producing no new vehicle Haynes manuals in published form. They will be digital only, but they will continue to print existing manuals where needed. Mm -hmm. They say that they're going to be creating now. I want to get the quote perfectly right here. We will continue to print and publish our extensive back catalogue of automotive and motorcycle titles. And we're currently in the process of creating an exciting and comprehensive new automotive maintenance and repair product that will cover around 95% of car makes and models, which is increasing it from up around 40%. So there's going to be an app where you download your car and pay them money for that. I would presume they've managed to work out a way Mm -hmm. to do it digitally that is still usable in the digital format.
0: Now, as someone who has recently, you know, lost some skin on my knuckles to trying to follow Haynes manuals, they can do a much better job by not printing them because they actually have the ability to be multimedia. Mm -hmm. So to actually do a video because I mean their market share must have been fairly broken down by YouTube videos. Mm -hmm. Because what tends to happen is I go look it up in the Haynes manual, go, Yeah you know what, at this grainy black and white picture that's about the same size as a stamp.
1: I find that there's there's like one step missing. That it's as though if if you do this regularly, you'll know you'll just automatically do it. But as someone who's hmm. a the klutz with a spanner and a hammer. I need it. I really do need it drawn in crayon for me. Possibly someone coming and holding my hand to do it. So the the missing tiny little step, which you know competent people will know, I need that.
0: The best one we've ever found was to do with Volkswagen Beetle steering columns, where there is a line line in the description that says post nineteen sixty eight models are similar. No, pre nineteen sixty eight models are similar but different. <laughs> which was of absolutely no use whatsoever.
1: But yeah, if making it multimedia and the multimedia and having it downloadable uh, as well. That, I think I think that'll that'll help them continue as a business. Mm-hmm. Which would be good, which is a good thing.
0: This should be seen as evolution rather than anything bad. This yeah. is this is us be actually able to get a better version of their product. Absolutely. And much success to them as a result. Absolutely.
1: Right, I think that's the end of the first half.
0: Yep, it's uh, somewhere around Guilt Minute, which is the quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. If you feel that the motion Podcast is worth a small consideration every month, then you can become a patron. The different levels of Patreon include different levels of commitment from us to you, including being able to watch the show recorded live. We also have a small range of merchandise available from our website and Teespring stores, from stickers to mugs and t-shirts. As an aside there, I was looking to try and do insulated coffee cups, but it seems that Teespring don't do that, which was a bit bit annoying. I decided we should sell insulated Mm. mugs, but just can't do it. If you don't have any spare cash and we completely understand, then you can help us by subscribing for free from a podcast player to receive every show as they're released and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you. If you've done all of that, and some of you do, so thank you very much, then the last thing you can do is recommend us to your friends or colleagues.
1: Yes, and we know that you do, and thank you very much for that. You all rock. Yes, you absolutely do. Alan, take us to Formula E. And the first, which could have been in the follow-up, which at least allowed us to publish our podcast last week before it answered a, a fear and a question I had.
0: Yeah, uh, listeners to last week's uh, news show will know that we started, we were discussing Audi leaving Formula E and we said, well, it's not really a big deal and it's only going to be an issue if there's there start to be more manufacturers leaving. And then before the episode was out at about eight o'clock on the Wednesday morning (laughs) last week, BMW had already announced that they were going to be withdrawing from uh, Formula E at the end of this season, Mm. which is tricky because that's two manufacturers. That's only really leaving... Two
1: German premium manufacturers as well.
0: Two premium German manufacturers, yeah. I mean, Audi whenever they communicated they said well it's okay we, you know we're off to do these other things instead so it wasn't like we're giving up on racing we're not doing this anymore bmw is just saying well no actually we've gone as far as we can with this which is a bit strange but there's another article from the race and there'll be links to to both the first article about bmw and also the second one which is saying that it, it's the the complacency may well be feeding into this and i wonder if this is something to do with the loss of not the loss the stepping aside of alejandro Agag, Mm. because you know he's he's now not head of formula e anymore Uh, and i do feel that that he was very charismatic and he was one of those people that everyone sort of looks up to and respects yep and i wonder if the change of management at the top of formula e which isn't mentioned in this article by the race but it is sort of slightly hinted at i guess
1: no it is it is talked about is it
0: is yeah is one of the things that that that's precipitating this this change this th- these people leaving because they possibly don't have the same personal Associational personal assurances, mm. which maybe were there before, and we've seen this a little bit Formula One when Bernie stepped aside, and I'm not really I'm trying not to to say that Alan Turing was like Bernie Eccleston because <laughs> nobody's like Bernie Eccleston, but I think that that sort of charisma, that man at the topness, was probably quite instrumental in keeping BMW and keeping Audi. Yeah. Within the sport for quite so long, and and maybe what we're seeing here is
1: that's changed a little, um,
0: just because different people are involved. Yeah,
1: it looks like there's there's two prongs to this. One is there's the costs to the generate Gen three rules and packages, Mm -hmm. and that is discussed quite a bit with fear about Mercedes and Porsches continued involvement they are those two companies are directly mentioned when it comes to this, mm-hmm. which is which would be i I feel that would really be bad for the series it would
0: be a significant hammer blow
1: but the other thing as well is the direction that the new CEO has taken in terms of uh, looking at their commercial interests and the communications they've brought in a lot of very high profile communication experts who possibly are not, as as you said yourself, are not as dyed in the wall Formula E people and have not been there from the beginning, so they don't don't perhaps quite get all the intricacies and in how things have got to where they are.
0: Yeah. It especially remember the Audi team was there, right? At was has been there right from the start. It was it was Abbed.
1: Yeah. I've never understood the Formula E talent call thing that they did, which is which is their this this that's their high profile comms marketing thing at the minute mm. that they're trying to they've they've whittled it down to three or four people who will potentially be part of the commentary teams.
0: So these things, now, yeah, that worked so so well for Top Gear, yeah. <laughs> i mean that that really that's what it sounds like and and i think that their commentary team has traditionally been incredibly strong and what they were really trying to do was engage with fans yeah that was the th- that was always the thing was there was the fan boost there was and it's possible that it's it's because they can't do you know the stuff that they used to do on site there was sim ra- you know sim racing and formula e they've been doing it since pretty much day one yeah. you've been able to go sim racing at a Formula E race and some of the drivers would come and join in yeah there would actually be a championship between fans and all that sort of engagement making sure that the drivers communicated and used Twitter and Instagram and all these things and made sure the teams used Twitter and Instagram and all these things that was their engagement that at the time was what was so different from F1 where the drivers were on the podium, the drivers were in the car, the drivers were were behind fences over there. A Formula E was trying to break that down. That was one of the real USPs in the early days. And you wonder if that's lost in the frippery. The idea was that you could almost be mates with your favorite Formula E driver. And I've just simplified that hugely. But that that was was, part of the intention. A human interaction and connection between fans and drivers and access
1: yeah the the cost side of gen three makes me worry like i am very worried about wrc the direction that the management team are going on with commercial interests and comms that worries me from a feels like you're taking your eye a little bit off the ball is the implication in this article I hadn't really sat and thought about it until reading this article. So do go and read. It's from Sam Smith, mm-hmm. and as we know, he kn- he knows his stuff. He's around, he's around the pit lane a lot. He talks with all the drivers and all the teams. He really knows Formula E really, really well. So do go read this article. It's very good.
0: Absolutely is. Off to snowy Italy next then.
1: Yes. Now we were all curious. How was WRC Monza going to hold up at the end? <laughs> for the finale of the season. Was it going to be exciting? Was it going to be interesting? Was it going to be a challenge? Was it going to happen at all? Yes, there was really quite a lot of worry about whether it was going to happen. And it was, I think it ticked the box for a WRC event because it was nuts, Mm -hmm. thanks to conditions and everything. On the Friday, it was wet and slippery in the mud when they were around the track. Uh, to the point where Lappy fitted snow tyres and actually was battling with Sordo for the lead. Ogier and Nouvelle went off at the same corner. Nouvelle's was worse because he got tangled in a fence. And Evans just kept his nose clean and kept in fourth, fifth, all the way through through that mm-hmm. day. Uh, Nouvelle actually was out on the Friday. He cracked into one of the concrete chicane uh, I don't, it's not bollard because it wasn't that, but it was like the the slow fence barrier barrier to to make sure that people, he just aquaplaned and and absolutely clobbered. How the car still kept going after it, because I watched the in in car camera footage for it. But then he was so slow through a water, a large puddle, that he just flooded the engine. That was it. He was done. So his incredibly slim chances were out. It was. Evans keeping clean, on the Saturday there was the snow overnight up in the mountains which had turned to rain by the morning. So the roads were initially clear but as they went further up there was snow and oh, it was heartbreaking. On the snow Evans just washed out a little bit wide and went off and...
0: Well, he he said that they they knew there was a change of surface there, but it was a much bigger change than it had been before and just lost all grip whatsoever and just went straight on. Understeer.
1: And fair dues to him. He stood there for the entire stage warning other drivers that it was dangerous and slow down. Hmm. I mean, it would have been so easy to go and sit behind a tree and just sob, and that's probably what I would have done (laughs) because he, he,
0: the, the, the danger there is someone else comes and lands on top of your car and then you really can't even get out and continue yeah he
1: he warned all of the drivers and and no one else got stuck there and then he was going to take part in the special stages which meant mathematically he still could if ogier had a real humdinger of an accident and he couldn't take part mm. but in reality at that point as long as ogier kept it clean it it was his championship Uh, and in the end that's what happened he won Monza and he won his seventh championship and he was incredibly humble at the end of it and he said I'm not going to jump up and down because this is 2020 has been incredibly difficult for so many people across the globe so this is not a you know Mm. we're just satisfied with what we've achieved feel very bad for Elvin Evans but no doubt next year he and i will be fighting again yeah
0: which is what you want C- can i just quickly say the in the on the the Dirtfish article there's a link there's an embedded bit to his to the video about sebastian Ogier. the cover photo of that where there is a yaris wrc on the banking at monza mm. with a dab of oppo and the whole Spray of mud and steam and everything coming out. It's a
1: fantastic. It's site. just like you going around your local industrial estate, isn't
0: it? It is. Yeah, on, the, on your yeah. winter tyres. It's, it's just stonking. <laughs> i want the big fin the big discs for the middle yes but it's just such a stonking image i think it's great yeah, yeah i love that
1: there'll also be a link in the show notes for uh, colin clark's driver ratings and then there'll be also the ever excellent uh, what we learned article in there mm-hmm. as well so there's plenty of reading about that feel really sorry for evans but i it, it's coming closer for him it's coming closer uh, and that Yaris seems very strong. Uh, also, special shout out for Hyundai for winning the manufacturers' championship, and you could see how much yes. that meant to the the team manager there in that. So that was that. That means an awful lot. That was great to see. And in, I think next year they have to get the driver to win the <laughs> to win the championship. Yes, they've invested yes, so they much could. and put so much effort in there.
0: <laughs> so in a way, it's great that they got the the manufacturer yeah. from that point of view. yeah uh uh-huh. just very quickly on our behalf to just say thanks to Dirtfish for all their great coverage this season. Absolutely.
1: They, they um, we are, which we have relied on. We are so. delighted to have been pointed in their direction. The coverage is brilliant. Lunchtime readers please. because it's all positive and yes. happy. So I'm not taking that. It is.
0: It's great. <laughs> no, exactly. That would that would just stop you being the eor eor of of motoring podcasting. There's there's a great a feel good article out on Car and Classic in the Car and Classic magazine section by Chris Pollitt about just how awesome 2021 is going to be. It's got lovely photographs, it's got nice words reminding us of many positive cool things do go have a click have a read yes
1: yes i felt better after reading it
0: yeah go to car and classic.co.uk or and you'll get there in the magazine section uh, or of course you can follow the link in the show notes mm-hmm. plug 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 anyway Andrew, tell me just what I don't want for Christmas this year. Well,
1: yes, I'm going to take you through the Yes Auto, thanks to Alex Goy, and the 2020's worst automotive Christmas gifts. As you know, we do like to poke fun at the Christmas gifts on this show. And every year, we are given ample opportunity to do so.
0: (laughs) It's so hard not
1: to. It is. There are some real stinkers in this one is the one that stands out to you
0: but surprisingly no scented candles i see that alex has, has steered well away from the scented candles
1: well it helps with the calming mood you see and everyone in 2020 needs yeah. a calming mood
0: yeah i i think my winner is the bmw m turbocharger bracelet for a mere 65 pounds you can own this
1: yes well i'm disappointed it doesn't have a three the three colored stripes on it somewhere
0: no, that's because it's in the technical-looking style of the BMW M5 turbocharger. <laughs> and it is, according to the thing, masculine bracelet in the uh, technical... The bracelet made of leather, screw clasp made of stainless steel. The magnetic lock is also made of stainless steel. Secured to the wristband by patented technology and provided with an embossed BMW M logo. Uh, don't bother, thanks. I'm I'm good. Keep you 65 quid. Okay. What about you, Andrew? Anything well, there that was you've particularly many, many
1: things, but the one that really stood out for me was the AMG Child's Watch. The beast of the green hell. And what really <sighs> offends me with this is not the £90, nearly £90 price for a kid's watch, which seems a smidgen excessive, is it's just Ugly. It's not even like it's a nice-looking watch that they've slapped an AMG logo on. It's just... It's like a kid has made it. Shocking. I'm not a mega watch person, but that's pretty shocking. Don't worry, though. There are many more things for you to look through. Of particular note should be a model car, which I'll say no more. but yes uh, uh well done alex i do i do like your list there i think you've been mm-hmm. you've been quite kind to some companies
0: quite disappointed that he didn't follow up on the the uh the bentley wine cooler <laughs> and drinks tray as well anyway that's almost us but before then there's the and finally there is the and finally is
1: <laughs> is finally
0: uh <laughs> it is finally finally this has been a long time in the making because this was originally meant to happen the weekend of the uh, race remembrance and what was meant to happen was a drag race between chris harris in his two cv and his good friend and neighbor andrew frankel in his two cv but in reality it's a drag race that has taken well it took well over a week to take place to start with and then Uh, yes i I think it took a little bit longer still to be perfectly honest Uh, i think it is it has cost mr harris dear in some of the repairs that were that were needed before this could completely take place do watch it do do watch it both on youtube or or on the top gear on the top gear website Uh, and don't forget that as you make wages on it don't forget to drop a couple of quid in the direction of Mission Motorsport yep. because that's really what it was what it was all in need of. And I'm not going to give away the ending or who won. No,
1: it's, it is a great video. I thoroughly video. enjoyed watching a great it. Great
0: video. A lot of pratting around in very slow cars. Yes.
1: <laughs> parish Notes, I think. Yes,
0: parish Notes. It was a Zoom zoomers last night, so we Zoom Zoomed. Charge your glasses,
1: everyone, before you watch it.
0: There you can if you want so yes so i've only was, got that. 15 was minutes in so
1: i haven't got to that section yet of the hot hatches oh, right.
0: okay no that's quite far there's quite a lot of there's quite a lot of waffle and mucking around last night which was kind of cool special edition was out last friday which is the hyundai i10 n line mm-hmm. if you are in the market for an up gti or similar and fancy fancy trying something else uh to compare to the up or or instead of the up then the the I-10 N line uh should be on your shopping list. Yep to at least try. And last but not least, uh we mentioned as the end finally last week, the AutoAdvent twenty it's the hashtag from John Mail is still running uh eight o'clock every morning. And if you can't have the kind of warped mind that means that you enjoy tortuous crosswords, then it should be right up your street. There was some weird maths involving car numbering the other day which just had me going, it's too hard. I don't know. I can't do it. <laughs> I can never do that. <laughs> no, me neither. I just, I just don't. I'm just like, whoa, no, this is way too obscure for me. You need to be near or someone to do that. Mm. That's us for this week, but don't forget that between now and next week, you can give us any feedback. Share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook and on the contact page of MotoringPodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Please don't forget about our patreon or any of the other ways to support us available at motoringpodcast.com slash support please of course leave a review and rating on apple podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing Andrew, if people want to know more, what's the best way to get in touch with you?
1: Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If they search for Crap Wintering, they should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to know more from you personally, what is the best way for them to get in touch?
0: Best way to get in touch with me is Twitter as ever, where I'm at AJPBradley, that's B-R-A-D-L-E-Y. We will be back very soon, but until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.